Welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I am your co-host, Mike, and with me as always is John. John, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. Doing great. Really happy to be doing this. Awesome. Good talking to you. So I guess let's start out right now. Week one is in the books. So how are you feeling now that we are through the first full week of college football? Well, like most people, I am just relieved that it's finally here. Um, it's definitely the most wonderful time of the year. I look forward to this every year and obviously all off season, you know, doing like what all people who have a college football addiction illness, um, you know, just continually yep. read, <laughs> read up on things and looking into, you know, stat sheets and recruiting and all that kind of stuff. So it's just nice to finally have the games, you know? Yeah, it's been good. It was an exciting weekend. It really was. And I'll tell you what, it's not our focus on this podcast, but I cannot believe Deion Sanders came out and won that first game. I still, there's no part of me that believes that they were able to do that to TCU in game one without actually seeing it. Yeah, I don't think anyone, um, I think the majority of like the college football world is still in shock, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't believe the people that say like, oh, I knew it. I don't, I don't believe them for a second that they, that they were fully confident that this was going to happen either. I just, I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let's pivot to it. We are going to review the Big Ten games. We'll go in order. So we'll start off with the Thursday night game. That was Minnesota and Nebraska. And uh, the final of that game was Minnesota 13, Nebraska 10. Minnesota had 251 total yards of offense to Nebraska's 295. Ethan Kaliak Manis for the Gophers threw for 24 for 44 for 196 yards and one interception. And then for Nebraska, Jeff Sims was 11 for 19 for 114 yards and three picks, which ended up kind of telling the story of the game to some extent. But he also had 19 carries for 91 yards. 19 carries, John. They ran their quarterback and ni- Nebraska ran its quarterback 19 times. Yeah, a lot more than their running backs. Yeah, yeah. They did seem to be carrying Jeff Sims to be carrying a, a load. I am interested right off the bat before we get too far into this game. Is that sustainable? Can you run your quarterback 20 times a game in the Big Ten and get through a whole Big Ten season? Well, you know, I mean, I don't I don't personally think so. I think we've both seen, um, you know, what happens to to mobile quarterbacks if they are overused within in a, in a Big Ten slate and i i and obviously as well like you know sims is has been known to be a little bit injury prone as well and when you run that much as we saw with with mo last year you know in the year before that you know you put any kind of running back or any or quarterback in that situation time and time again running that much it's wear and tear on your body and eventually going up against these big 10 defenses I, I don't think it's sustainable. You eventually have to develop some kind of passing game or you need to actually utilize your running backs and get them involved. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, so moving on, it was it was a low scoring, intense game. It was a great game to start the college football season. Um, it was just three zero Gophers at half. Both defenses played extremely well. It became pretty clear early that uh, Minnesota wasn't going to be able to run the ball on Thursday and that just was not happening for them. And similarly, Nebraska had a lot of time, a lot of trouble throwing the ball. So it was sort of a contrast in styles too. And a great, I mean, defensive battle all the way. I mean, Nebraska really, 
surprised me in being further along with that three, five defense, um, you know, that, than what I expected, I, I, I know that it's, it's not an easy defense to learn and, you know, they, they showed up, man. They really did. They did much better and they shut down our, uh, Minnesota's run game. And I was, I was impressed for sure. Yeah. I was really impressed with Tony White's unit on defense. That was for their first game of yeah. a whole new regime. They played exceptional lights out defense and they made the Gophers earn every yard. And it was at times it was really tough going mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so yeah, Minnesota couldn't run the ball only at 55 yards rushing. Nebraska had 114 yards rushing. They did a little better, uh, in that respect, but we had a three zero gopher lead at half. And then John Nebraska scored on one of the crazier broken trick plays you'll ever see. What do you, what did you think about that play? Dude, I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, you know, and it was kind of in, I was I was expecting, you know, if anything, I was I was just waiting for the, the moment when when Sims was going to run the ball into the end zone. I I was very confident, especially, you know, with with uh, Newbin and Wally and our in Minnesota secondary just doing like so well about shutting down their passing game that mm-hmm. that, that wasn't going to be much of an issue. But to see that broken play, which I thought was just done, I, I was not expecting Sims to pick that up and then actually you know, complete a pass. All so right. It, for, it, so it, for our listeners it, who missed the game. Uh, Nebraska pitched it to a running back, did a throwback to the quarterback, but Sims didn't catch it clean. It bounced off his hands, bounced to the turf. And so at that point, both teams thought, hey, it's a live ball. And then it bounced right back up into the air, into Sims' hands, and he threw a bomb for a touchdown. So it was one of the wilder and I'm going to say luckier plays you're going to see all year. And (laughs) until the last two minutes of the game, that was the only touchdown we had. Yeah. I, it was, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. Unexpected. So let's get to winning time. Let's talk about what led up to that, uh, Dragan Kesic field goal to end the, uh, to end the game. So yeah. Jeff Sims had, well, first of all, Minnesota needed the ball back to get the touchdown and they got Justin Wally to punch the ball out and Minnesota was able to recover and then, and then go in for what ended up being a fourth down do or die touchdown pass attempt. Yeah. Which as a, as Minnesota's passing game at that point in time, it was a ton of dink and dunk leading up to that. Because again, you know, from what I could tell just from the TV, you know, Nebraska's uh, D backs were pretty much taking away the long pass. And so we were, it, it was just a lot of short passes throughout. Um, but to see, Ethan and then, you know, Daniel Jackson um, make that connection. And that route was just perfection. And that toe tap on the way, you know, on the way uh, on the way out, man, hitting that just getting it in there in the end zone was just beautiful. I mean, I, 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 I think that was the play of the week within the Big Ten for sure. Yeah, it was. I I would not argue with you at all. I saw that it was already on the intro package for the Saturday night games. They already had a clip of it of yeah. that catch in there, <laughs> which was pretty cool and shows you what an amazing play it was. That they were like, "Oh man, we got to get this into you know, we got to get this into our promotional material right away." So that was cra- that was like a Jackson Smith and Jigba kind of catch. Oh yeah, is the is uh our friend of the pod Phil, who 
made that point that it was really that kind of JSN, that high end wide receiver catch. And Jackson had a great game. He had nine catches for 68 yards in that game winning toe tap touch or that game tying, excuse me toe tap touchdown so then it looked like either nebraska had a chance to score a field goal to win or we were going into overtime and then it was tyler newbin time john and how did that go uh i mean (sighs) tyler newbin so far you know again i know this is early you know this is overreaction season right (laughs) right now um i'm trying to refrain but it's I didn't see a defensive player play all week uh, in the Big Ten that that looked better than he did. You know, the, and he was just shut down everywhere and was all over that field. And he's he's a he's a beast, man. You know, he is a yeah. terror on the field. Two interceptions, including the late fourth quarter interception, which led to the game winning walk off field by by Dragon Kessick, a forty seven yarder. So it was no chip shot. No, and uh, that ended what was definitely the most exciting game of the big 10 opening week. I mean, it's, you know, we wanted a great big 10 game and we got a great big 10 game. So and, it's hard to argue with it. And tell me if I'm wrong, but was this is Dragon Kessage's first year being uh, like kicking field goals, right? Or like, yes, he was the kickoff specialist the last year or two. And now he is also the, the field goal kicker. And so, yeah, there was, it, and he had missed one earlier in the game too. So it was impressive that he was able to come back from that and make the game winner. It was clutch. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So with the win, the Minnesota Golden Gophers moved to one and O on the season with the loss. The Nebraska Cornhuskers dropped to O and one on the year. Uh, let's move on, John, to uh, Friday, the Friday night game. It was Michigan State 31, Central Michigan 7 total yards. Uh, the Spartans had 406 yards to Central Michigan's 219. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of a tale of two halves. Sparty led just 10-7 at half, uh, but the second half was all green and white. Yeah, I mean, that game was incredible. Honestly, I, I think uh, we were we were uh, texting back and forth during the game, and yep. I was... I was mentioning, you know, through that first half, I was like, yeah, gone are the days of the D'Antonio shutdown defense. It, it's the that's what, you know, I think I grew up seeing. Yeah. And, and and that's what I knew. I always, you know, identified Michigan State as a, as a you know, no fly zone. And yep. um, <clears throat> and to see, you know, what they were doing and, and you know, keeping it keep saying in the game, it was I, I was impressed, man. You know, Central Michigan's quarterback was. He was tricky, dude. He was, he was, he's quick. Yeah. Yeah. He's quick. He he was fun to watch. He really was. But obviously, you saw, you know, depth of talent went out. And, you know, then Sparty really pulled away towards the end there. But, you know, I I will say, uh, you know, Noah Kim, though, he's got, he's got a cannon, dude. He can throw the ball 18 for 31, 279 yards, two, two, two TDs. Um, he threw the ball, a nice ball. He throws a nice ball and he spread it around to a lot of different receivers too. It wasn't a yeah. predictable thing. Yep. Um, they threw, I don't think anybody had more than four catches on the day. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to get a, got a lot of guys involved in the game plan, which is, you know, something you like to see if you're a Spartan fan for sure. And, uh, let's not forget about their running back. The, the UConn transfer. Yeah. Nathan Carter. Yeah. He, yeah, he had good. a nice day, uh, 113 yards on 6.3 yards per carry. That's an impressive, impressive output. Mm-hmm. And I think most importantly, uh, Central Michigan, I, I believe, did not have a play over 17 yards 
And we know that Sparty was a big, that Sparty defense was giving up big plays left and right all of last season. Oh yeah. Yeah. So to see them play a little better on defense, play a little better in the secondary has got to be encouraging for Mel Tucker and Michigan state fans. You know, remember Mel Tucker is by trade. He's a defensive backs coach. So I'm sure he didn't enjoy how poorly they played last year in the defensive backfield. Really the last two years in the defensive backfield. No, it was sure he's looking to, you know, make a big improvement this year. Well, absolutely. I mean, it was embarrassing last year, you know, and that was it was not, you know, did not go unnoticed by anybody. And so to see that come together this year and look a lot better against a, you know, a, a pretty decent, you know, Chippewa offensive attack, you know, it, it looked good. You know, it looked pretty solid. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I was, you know, there's not a, I don't have too much more to say about that one. It was a pretty straightforward game. You know, yeah. Michigan State started a little slow. They got better in the second half. That's kind of a theme, folks. Week one is always sloppy. This isn't the NFL. There's no preseason. So yes. you're going to hear it a lot of times saying this team you know, if we expect the teams to get a lot better, it's because every year teams get a lot better, you know, from week one to week two, three, four, you see a lot of improvement. So yes. if your team didn't play very well in week one, don't jump off the ledge quite yet. You know, there's plenty of time for them to get better and get things rounded into play for the for the conference season. There's- Actually, longer on that topic, John, what do you think of, of uh, the Big Ten had three conference games to start the year? What do you think about starting out with a conference game? You know, I like it and I don't like it at the same. I love and hate it. It's like in some ways, like, of course, I hate it because, you know, you you lose. That's that's already one strike against you heading, you know, trying to trying to win your division, um, you know, until the divisions are gone. But uh, it but then also it's also really good because, like you just mentioned, talking about how, you know, these teams get, you know, exponentially better, you know, especially after the first, you know, week one through week three or four. Um, and to have that test, I think, right off the bat, in some ways is very helpful. And, and you know, you, you've, we've seen it, you know, I mean, there, there's, there's teams that have gone on and, and had, you know, gone four or five, you know, five and oh to start the season and then peter out, you know, as soon as they start hitting conference schedule games. And, and I think so. I, I think it's good in some ways. You really know where you stand, and I think therefore you can address your issues more head on, and you know what they are, and therefore can fix them quicker. But also, like I said, if you're on the losing end of it, you know it's it's an uphill battle from there. Yeah, that's exactly where I come down. They're great if you win. If yes, because if you win, then you get to find out where you're strong, where you're weak, what you need to work on, and then you get some non-conference games to work on that stuff. But mm-hmm. if you lose, man, if you're sitting there, you know, as a fan who had a chance to win and you lose that first conference game, that's frustrating, too. All right. Should we pivot to the next game? Let's do it. All right. We've got the Michigan Wolverines 30, East Carolina 3. Total offense 402 yards for Michigan to East Carolina's 235. J.J. McCarthy was 26 for 30. 280 yards and three touchdowns. Roman Wilson caught six catches for 78 yards and three TDs. He was about as efficient as a receiver could possibly be. He could not be covered. And if Wilson is heavy, is healthy this year, which he's has struggled in the past, but if he's healthy this year, opposing teams better watch out because he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, then the running game was somewhat ineffective. Um, 
And yeah. you know, after a couple of years where Michigan had the best running, you know, the best offensive line in the country, I think they've got some new pieces this year. And, you know, let me know if you heard this one before offensive lines take time to gel early in the season. What? <laughs> I mean, I, I've been told, you know, according to some people on Twitter that this one game at the beginning of the season defines everything and the entire outlook on the rest. So oh, yeah. you know, whether you win or lose, I mean, oof, you know, your offensive sure. line isn't going now. That's it. You know, I don't know. I mean, why might we as well not even play the games. I know. Like it, it's, it, let's just, whoever won, whoever looked the best, let's just go with that. And obviously just yeah. through the eye test alone. That that's, that's eye test. national be. champion, Florida state. eye test. Yep. That's it. That's it right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I yeah. was a little discouraged that the running game was ineffective just because it's East Carolina. I mean, East Carolina is a decent program. Yeah. But yeah. I, w- I expected a little more from the Michigan running game. But at the same time, you know, you got Blake Corum coming off that injury and he's probably a little yeah. tentative still yet. Um, and again, new pieces on the offensive line that need t- time to gel. But they did a really good job in pass pro protecting J.J. McCarthy. And he had a he had a lot of time to throw and he, he carved up that defense. Well, that's, that seems to be, you know, I mean, if we, you know, just looking back at the, the, the Minnesota game too. And, and, you know, I think, and, and even, I felt like there was, you know, not that it was as good as, as Michigan, but I felt like what we're seeing or what I've noticed this week is pass pro kind of develops a little bit quicker, but getting those, you know, making those gaps for those running backs is a little bit harder um, at times. And, you know, after a few weeks, it tends to gel a little bit more, but what you saw with Michigan you know, what I saw, you know, yeah, and I think with Corum, you know, we all we everyone knows it's there. Everyone knows this guy's a freaking stud. And yeah. and he, you know, but yeah, with that injury, he just needs a, I think he just needs a couple games to, to kind of get back into the swing of things. And I have no doubt he's going to be, you know, making headlines in no time all over. Yeah, uh, let's give a shout out to Ernest Hausman, who had a big day with six tackles on that Michigan defense, which you got to give the Michigan defense a lot of credit. East Carolina only scored three points. That's, you know, that's a strong showing against a good group of five program. So you have to be, if you're a Michigan fan, you got to be happy with the defense and the passing game and just wanting to see a little more from the running. So basically it's uh, pretty similar in Michigan, pretty similar to what we said about Minnesota, right? They, Mm -hmm. um, were pretty impressive in the passing game at times and the, I mean, Michigan more so than Minnesota. And the defense, um, but both both squads need to need that offensive line to gel and meal and need to run a little better if, um, by the time we get around to Big Ten play. Yeah, yeah, I you know, but again, you know, you're you're talking about uh, another program that consistently churns out you know NFL talent on the line of scrimmage. I I would not be worried at all if I were a Michigan fan. No, absolutely, absolutely not. All right. Um, and with the win, the Michigan Wolverines move to one and oh. All right. Should we move on to Ohio State, Indiana? Yeah, let's do that one. All right. Ohio State 23, Indiana three total yards for Ohio State, 380 for Indiana, just 153 yards. Uh, Kyle McCord, quarterback of the Buckeyes, went 20 for 33 for 239 yards and one interception. It was a decent, if unremarkable, debut, but it also didn't remind anybody of C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields just yet. Um, so before we get into this, John, 
we had heard going into this game that Devin Brown was going to get a, a look and that Kyle McCord and Devin Brown were close. Yeah. And then we got into the game and it was the Kyle McCord show and Devin Brown, I think, got three or four snaps the whole game. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So would you say, uh, based on that, do you think this is Kyle McCord's job or is Devin Brown still in this competition? Uh, I mean, I, I've heard it before. I've heard other people mention, and, and honestly, it, I, I got to agree. It really seemed, well, let me start with this. This game was weird to me. Because yeah. we, we <laughs> are so used to seeing Ohio State just demolish pretty much everybody outside of Michigan and, you know, from time to time, Penn state. And this, even though the score was what it was and the stats are what they are, this did not look like, you know, your traditional dominant Ohio state football team. And, and I, I was a little, it was weird. I felt uncomfortable in a way it's watching it. Cause we're just so used to seeing what, you know, what we've been seeing for years. And, I'm not saying this is bad and nobody should be hitting the panic button like we stated on anybody at this time, but it was definitely concerning. I I would definitely say that I'm a little concerned. I don't really think the quarterback battle is done. And if it is, gosh, man, I I don't know how I would feel as an Ohio State fan. I'm I wouldn't, you know, throw in the towel, but it's it. This is something I don't think they've had to face for a very long time. And this is some kind of this is a very unique kind of adversity that I think the fan base is 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 maybe also feeling a little bit uncomfortable and confused about. So that's yeah. how I feel. Well, Buckeye fans have been used to having the best quarterback on the field pretty much all the time for a yes. long time. Yes. I mean, they had CJ Stroud, they had Justin Fields, they had Dwayne Haskins, they had JT Barrett, they had Braxton Miller. It's going back. Cardale Jones, even even Cardale Jones, yeah, throw him yeah. in. Come on. Yeah. It goes back a decade plus. You can go back to Troy Smith. You can go back a lot farther if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio State generally has uh, a great a great quarterback. And so it was a different kind of it was a different kind of feel. I will say though, let's not let's not um forget to give the IU defense some credit you know that and that's yeah that's the other thing that was also weird is seeing how well that defense played they were incredible man honestly yeah I mean they they really were you know uh especially because the IU offense couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. and and the QB play for you know was I mean um was pretty pedestrian they had 153 yards passing on nine of 20 attempts between the two quarterbacks Mm mm-hmm um, but the defense, I mean, that Indiana defense really showed out. They have a lot of transfers on that defense. Tom Allen brought in a lot of guys in the off season to try to, you know, frankly, let's be real, have a season that could save his job and get the program back on track. Yep. And I think if you're an Indiana fan, yeah, the offense was painful. I mean, truly painful, but I do think the, the Ohio state defense is a lot improved though, too. They looked really good. So if yep. you're Indiana, if you're an Indiana fan, I think you have to be encouraged with the way the defense played against Ohio state. Even if you're still a little worried about, you know, frankly, Indiana has got to pick a quarterback and stick with it. I think. I agree. I think, you know, I definitely would be coming away from this game as an Indiana fan, optimistic, um, more so than what, you know, it, it, cause this was not at all. I, I didn't expect to see that team play, play defensively as well as they did. And, no. and, um, and like you said, you know, I mean, this is an Indiana offense going against an Ohio state defense as well. Like you got to understand too, how, that to keep, to hold Ohio state, I think to, 
to that score um, also is is pretty pretty impressive. And also, and and no no big plays, man. I didn't see Ohio State really chucking the ball downfield for for any anything that was you know like like what we're used to seeing. There weren't a ton of fireworks. Yeah, yeah. Let's give some love to the Indiana defense. Aaron Casey had nine solo tackles in a TFL, and Andre Carter had two solo tackles, both TFLs. So some some big plays made by the Indiana defense. But again, mm-hmm. uh, between Brendan Sorsby and Tavan Jackson, you know, I mean, they were nine for 20. And that's that's rough. And I'm not sure. I, I really think they got to pick one of them, probably Sorsby, and just ride with him and build that offense around his strengths. Yeah. Because they have to play better. Now, the good news, they have Indiana State next week. So they have a chance. Yeah. They got they got the Buckeyes out of the way. They don't have to play them again all year. Yep. That's the good that's the good thing about playing Ohio State first is you don't have to play them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh and I think, you know, that should be good. Now, my my question is, what is Ohio State doing at running back exactly? Is Mayan Williams gonna be the man? Are they gonna feature Travion Henderson or Travion Henderson, the amount of hype and the amount of ability versus the amount of production is just is just frustrating to watch because it just seems like he's he's never available. And even when he is available, he can kind of disappear at times. And yeah. he's such an he's such an outrageous talent. I just don't understand why that happens as often as it does with him. I agree, man. I mean, we've seen it over, you know, over the last couple of years. Like, I mean, when he's there and he's on, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's incredible and it's so much fun to watch. But it's so inconsistent, you know, and, and it, but every once in a while, like you can go like a week or two and I'm like, you know, you don't really hear his name mentioned much. And then all of a sudden there's a highlight, but it, it takes a while. And, and I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's disappointing, but you know, Mayan Williams though is, is he's a consistent back. He's, he's runs hard, runs tough yep. and he'll, you know, he'll get you those five, six yards consistently, you know? And, and if you need a punched in the end zone, man, I mean, he's the guy I want lining up. Yeah, I almost wonder if in the early season, because Notre Dame looms in a few weeks down the road, I mm-hmm. wonder if Ohio State's going to have to th- run the ball a little more while their quarterback gets up to speed and kind of yeah. develops his game. CJ Stroud, it took him three quarters to figure it out, and I think it's safe to say it's going to take a little longer for Kyle McCord to figure it out. Well, but- it'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, like, uh, you know, Ohio State having to rely more on their run game than their pass game. I mean... You know Ryan Day doesn't want to do that. No. Ryan Day doesn't want to do that, but maybe he has to early in the year and yeah, give Kyle McCord a chance to develop a little bit. You know, it's not always going to be it's not always going to be something where the quarterback walks in and isn't a Heisman contender immediately from their first game. That's just not realistic to ask. Even at Ohio State, that's not realistic to ask. No. It'll be fun to watch though. Oh, absolutely. Appointment television. I can't I'm already excited for the Ohio State Notre Dame game. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That's going to be a great one. Absolutely. All right. Should we, should we pivot to the next game? Yes. All right. We had the Penn state Nittany lions 38 and West Virginia 15. It was 14, seven Nittany lions at half. So it was another, another one of those games that was a close game where Penn state kind of tail of two halves with a tight first half. And then Penn state sort of took over in the second half. Uh, total yards, Penn State had 478 yards to West Virginia's 308. Um, both teams rushed for 146 yards, respectively. However, Penn State had by far the superior passing attack. And Oof, uh, yeah. Drew Aller, a guy that we've been waiting to see for a long time, the five, former five-star recruit, 21 of 29, 325 yards, three touchdowns and zero picks, 
ladies and gentlemen, that's a debut. Dude, I mean, his coming out party was, I, I, it, in some ways, I don't know if it could have gone any better. You know, he he looked like a seasoned vet out there, and we've been hearing hype about him for for a while now. And to to see him come out there and play as well as he did against a power five five opponent. I understand West Virginia is expected to finish at the bottom or towards the bottom of the big 12, but that is a power five talent out there. And he showed out. He was balling. It was, he was balling, but the rest of the, of the Penn state team was as well. They ran the ball effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, Keandre Lambert Smith had four catches for 123 yards. And oh, two yeah. touchdowns. So four catches that he really made count, including the highlight of a 72 yard touchdown catch and run. Um, yeah. And Penn state and defensively, you know, they held the mountain deers down to that just mm-hmm. seven points in the first half. And then they didn't score again, you know, I believe until the game was in hand. Um, yeah, it was a really impressive, I'd say, you know, we are coming into this first week looking at Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state as the, as the favorites in the big 10 uh, overall. And I think Penn it's safe to say that Penn state played the most complete game of the three of them. I agree, man. And, and, you know, and there's been a lot of talk, you know, coming up to the season about how, you know, you know, cause obviously everyone always talks about Ohio state, Michigan, Ohio state, Michigan. Um, but there was definitely some serious whispers going around about Penn state, you know, pot, you know, winning the conference. And it, now I, I really, I see why. You know, um, from what I saw this last week, it was the most complete team. They looked like they were they were just absolutely they were clean. They were disciplined and they were just, you know, functioning on all cylinders, man. They and great. they were playing a power five team. This wasn't some slouch. And yes. I thought West Virginia looked better. I mean, I know West Virginia has been down for a few years, but I thought they looked better than they've been. I thought they looked improved as a team. They and did. So, I agree. And because of that, I'm even more impressed by what Penn State was able to do out of them. Um, yeah, I'm, I was not trying to like, yeah, I'm not at all trying to trying to undermine anything here by saying, you know, that this is their their West Virginia and their but this is a, this is a legitimate power five team. And yes. and so you do. Yeah, you can't discount this win at all. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia also ran for just three point seven yards per carry. So the the defense was stout, too. Let's give a shout out to Curtis Jacobs, who had seven solo tackles, including a sack. Um. So a lot of really impressive play mm. from, you know, from the Penn State defense. Yeah. Uh, John, anything else you want to say about that game? Uh, I just wish, you know, Drew L.R., like, I, I love watching him play, but like, you know, and for the sake of, you know, my fandom, I wish he wasn't so damn good. But, you know, that is what it is. He's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, without saying your fandom, you don't have to worry about Drew Aller, Aller this year. Not this year, thankfully. Unfortunately, this... he's only going to get better. Yeah. Yes. No, he is only going to get better. He's 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 a baller. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Wisconsin versus Buffalo. We had the uh, Wisconsin Badgers thirty-eight, Buffalo seven, the Buffalo Bulls seventeen. Um. Wisconsin had 503 yards, which I believe led the Big Ten this week, to Buffalo's 316, though. Buffalo uh-huh. put up more yards than you would have expected. Um, yep. Wisconsin had 189 yards through the air, although it was uh, just 6.1 yards per uh, per pass. 
and they rushed for 314 yards. So the more things change in Madison, the more they stay the same as Wisconsin, Absolutely. you know, relied on their Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi to, to carry the day for them once again. Yeah. I mean, nothing. And I know they, they talked about it, you know, that we've been hearing about all about all season long about the air raid, the air raid in Wisconsin and how different that's going to look, but it, it, it looked to me the exact same as it always has. I, I didn't see anything offensively that was massively uh, different than, than what we've seen, you know, and, and, you know, of course, you know, uh, the running, the running game was elite. Uh, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And, and, yep. um, but, but it took a while to get going. It, that first half looked a little, a little, touch and go for a while and Buffalo, you know, was, was, they showed up, you know, they showed up and ready to play, but just like, I, you know, just like uh, Michigan state, uh, you know, the depth of talent eventually came into play. Um, but, you know, I will say this, uh, and I said it before the season, not that it was bad, but Jim Leonard has to be missed in Madison. Yeah. Oh, I think there's no question about it. I mean, this game, as you said, was just 14 10 at half. So it was a close game. It was a dogfight for the whole first half before Wisconsin blew things open in the third quarter. And it was different than a Jim Leonard defense. A Jim Leonard defense would not have given up 17 points to, you know, to an average Mac team. Yes. This is what Buffalo is. So. I do think I think the offense is going to look better. I think spreading guys out and, and running different formations is it makes for a lighter box. And so I think you had Braylon Allen and Chaz Malusi running into those those not as full boxes, which allowed them more space to operate. And I think helped them rush for a lot of yards. Um, but it's not you know, it did. It's not going to change overnight. You know, it's worth noting that Tanner Mordecai had two interceptions again. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, let's 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 talk a little bit about the passing game. Yeah, let's talk about the passing game. Yeah. John, what do you think? Uh, Tan, what do what do you think about it? Well, you know, again, I mean, he he's he he can throw a beautiful ball sometimes, and then sometimes, you know, throw it into traffic. And uh, he he really. He's got to he's got to learn not to give the ball away. Um, it, in some ways, it looked a lot like the spring game to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can see where the talent's there, and and uh, you know, and when he's on, he's on, but when he's off, he's really off. There's just an inconsistency all over the place, is what I. Yeah, well, I was I surprised because, you know, when he played for SMU against the really good defenses, he threw a lot of picks, mm-hmm. but against the poor defenses, he didn't throw as many. Yeah. And um, in this game against Wisconsin, I mean, he 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 played well. He, th- you know, he completed most of his passes, mm-hmm. but um, it was a lot of dink and dunk. And, you know, he threw two pretty egregious picks. And and I just don't see that uh, unless he fixes, you know, unless he cleans up his game, he's going to have a tough time in conference play. Yeah, he's going to have to learn to take care of the ball before the Big Ten season starts or else it's going to it's going to uh, come back and negatively impact them for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, with the win, the Wisconsin Badgers move to one and oh. All right. Should we pivot to the next game? Let's do it. All right, so we had the Iowa Hawkeyes 24, the Utah State uh, Aggies, I believe, Mm -hmm. 14. This was Cade McNamara's first 
um, first game with the Hawkeyes. We were glad he was able to play. I know he had been hurt yeah. a little bit in camp, so we were glad to see him out there playing. Um, Iowa had just 284 yards to Utah State's 329. Um, but despite that, the Hawks were able to come out with the victory. So what did you, uh, what did you think, John? What did you see? Well, this was a, it was a tough game to judge. I think, you know, cause it is, you really do have to take into consideration the fact that Cade came in and, and was, I don't want to say visibly hurt, but he was moving a little slower. And I think that affected him, obviously his mobility, number one, but yeah, you know, even his passing game, not, not a lot. I mean, he throws, he threw some beautiful balls, but you could see that something was just not quite right. And I'll be interested to see, you know, when he does, you know, he's back on the mend and he's feeling, feeling better to see if that mobility um, will come into play a little bit more. Uh, and I know he's not the fastest guy in the world, but I, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's got pretty decent pocket awareness and, you know, we'll be able to get you, you know, a few more yards on, you know, um, if need be, uh, when he's scrambling out of the pocket, but yeah, you yeah. could tell he wasn't going to run on Saturday. He wasn't in no. a place where he could do that. No. So he's still, he's still recovering for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the Hawkeye really, the passing game, it was, it was interesting. The Hawkeye scored in their first two possessions. They had a, they had a kickoff return, set up a long touchdown pass, and then their next drive they scored as well. Fun fact: it was the first opening drive touchdown pass for an Iowa Hawkeyes team since 1991. Wow, wow! So that is a team that normally runs the ball. Yeah, <laughs> especially when it gets close to the red zone. Um, but the running game wasn't super effective today. Uh, Iowa ran 36 att- had 36 attempts for just 88 yards. It was a 2.4 yards average. Um, I was another team, like we said, like, um, like a few other big 10, like Minnesota, like Michigan, Iowa had real, some real issues opening holes in the run game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, to be fair, I think, uh, I can't remember his name, but Utah state had a, had a pretty decent linebacking core and, Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, they probably knew that, uh, McNamara had, you know, was dinged up. And so they were like, all right, well, if we take away the run, you know, we got to force this guy to to throw the ball. And and so I, I it makes sense to me. Um, you know, again, though, I'm a little surprised the offensive line you'd think for having so many guys coming back uh, would look a little bit better than they did again, though. I mean, I'm kind of going against what we talked about, about Offensive lines take you know taking a little while to gel, so that's sure. But fair. offensive lines, it's different when you have five returning starters than when you have three. When you're breaking in three or four new guys to having True. five returning starters, and Iowa does have everybody back on the offensive line. So I was that a little surprised they came out slow. I'm not ready to look. I'm not ready to write off the Iowa offensive lines game one, but I yeah. was surprised with all the guys they have left. I, I guess I'm I'm surprised they didn't run Bach a little better in the first game. Yeah, me too, man. I I and honestly, um. I was just expecting a little bit more from the, it wasn't a bad showing their, their run, their, their running backs weren't, weren't bad. It was just less impressive than what I was expecting. I was expecting a little bit more, but you know what? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it's week one. So yep. they're figuring it out. I felt that way with the Iowa defense too. I feel like the past couple of years, they would not have given up 14 points to a Utah state. No. And, and Cooper DeGene as amazing as he is, he seemed like he was a little sleepy during the game, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. Well, opening game against Utah State, and you know, maybe you, maybe, maybe you take him for granted a little bit. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure, but 
I can't speak to that. Cooper DeGene, I didn't notice that myself, but I, I will I will take your word for it on that one. I, I mean, look, let me just, I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm backpedaling a little bit here. No, I know. I know you're no one's trying to say Cooper DeGene's anything but awesome. We think Cooper DeGene's great. Yes. It just yes, looked like not. he might have been a little bit sleepy, but you know what? Like, he, yeah. it's okay. You know, everybody has those games, and you're right. Uh, first game of the season, Utah State. I might be too if I were as amazing as he was. It's okay. All right, Hawkeye <laughs> fans, we don't want to have to do this, but we didn't write the contract, and so we're going to have to get into it right now. Uh-oh. Brian Ferentz is contractually obligated to keep his job. He is contractually obligated to average 25 points per game over the course of this season. And against Utah State, who is arguably the worst team on Iowa's schedule, they scored 24 points, which is short of that 25-point average. And I guess when I look at Brian Ferentz and his job security, I guess if you can't score 25 against Utah State, what's going to happen against Illinois and Michigan and Minnesota? You know? Yep. Uh, you know, and, and it's hopefully, you know, for Iowa's sake that once Cade is feeling better that, you know, that will change. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, uh, the, it was not, not good. And it's, it sure as hell isn't going to get any easier as we I was forward. surprised they weren't pushing harder to score points. Yeah. Like it didn't seem, that didn't seem like that was a, like that they were emphasizing that, you know, they seemed happy to kind of run the ball and ride out the lead. And yep. I, I didn't expect that. I thought given that contract, I thought we would have seen Iowa pushing the ball downfield and trying to score, you know, trying to run up the score a little bit. And we did not see that. So I think that's I wonder if Brian Ferentz has been told behind the scenes that they're not going to hold him to that contract, because if I was Brian Ferentz and that's what my contract said, I'm once we get ahead in the second half, I'm going play action deep every time I'm going Absolutely. I'm going over the top until I hit one. So. <laughs> I mean, he he must feel better about his job security than we do because he was not doing that. Well, you know, I mean, if my dad were the head coach, I'd probably feel a little bit more uh, comfortable than I'm not not saying. You're not saying you're just saying I'm not saying, but I am saying yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. With the win, the Iowa Hawkeyes move to one and oh. All right. Our next game was, I would say, one of the two most exciting games of the week. You could argue this was the most exciting game of the week, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fresno State, Purdue. And uh, it was the Fresno State Bulldogs, 39. The Purdue Boilermakers, 35. Purdue had 363 yards to Fresno State's 487 yards. Yeah. Um. So, John, what are you? What thoughts did you have about the the Fresno State? Other than other than it was wildly entertaining, what are your thoughts about oh, the game? Was, yeah, well, absolutely wildly entertaining. I mean, one. it was back and but, forth. It was seven seven. It was fourteen seven. It was tied. It was it was tied. I think several times. Yeah, it was so much fun to watch. And uh, it, it, Fresno State is is this quarter Keen is his name? Is that Keen? Mikey correct? Keen. Yeah. Oh my God. It, that guy was amazing and he was severely good. underrated, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, uh, I, I had so much fun watching him and, and, you know, and I'm, and, you know, not to really take anything away from, from Hudson card, but like uh, Keen looked better in that, in that game to me. Um, but you know, uh, this was, you can't really fault Purdue. You know, this was an incredibly good team, well-coached, and, you know, really just a ton of talent and obviously able to sling the ball all over the place. And it is, you know, I think Purdue's defense is going to be fine. 
Um, but you could tell there's some holes in that secondary and, and, yeah. uh, you know, so they got some tightening up to do and some work to do on there, but, but Hudson card, Hudson card looked good. Um, Burks, they found their, you know, he's clearly, you know, wide receiver one. He looked incredible. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was good. He was a beast all over the place. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, I think Purdue looks good. The, the one thing that I'll say is, you know, I was expecting more out of Devin Mockaby and yeah. It, I, and I don't, you know, it just didn't look like he could really get it going. And, you know, I was, I was looking forward to seeing crazy legs. Yeah, no, it was Purdue. Another, another big 10 team that stop us. If you heard this before Purdue, another big 10 team that struggled to run the ball in week one. So, there you go. You know, they just had, I think, let's see, 3.6 yards per rush, which obviously, you know, isn't going to be good enough. And then there's, you know, they really struggled in the secondary, which is where Fresno ate them up. I will say, though, Jeff Tedford's a great coach at Fresno yeah. State. I oh, mean, he's yeah. got he's got a well-oiled machine there, you know, yeah. and that's basically it's a power five roster because they have so many guys who go away to play power five football and then don't make it on a roster and transfer back to Fresno State mm-hmm. to play closer to home. So that is essentially as close to a power five roster you can get for a group of five team. Yeah. To anyone out there who is, you know, throwing shade at Purdue right now, you know, you, I, I would recommend taking a second and just check it, check it, doing a little bit deeper dive into Fresno state. Cause yeah. Well, and Purdue's in game one of a rebuild. Let's, let's, let's not forget that, you know, this is the kind of schedule. This is the kind of schedule that is a tough, tough schedule. And, you know, they're rebuilding. So there might be some some bumps on the way. But I was encouraged. Purdue was, you know what they were? They were a lot better offensively than I expected them to be. Yep. Yeah. Um, Graham Harrell is a guy who couldn't score, who got fired. Let's call it what it is. He got fired at USC because he couldn't score enough points at USC with all of that skill position talent. <laughs> That's a real thing that happened. Okay. <laughs> so maybe Graham Harrell's gotten better. And I, and I was encouraged by what I saw. In the first game, Hudson Card looked good. I thought Graham Harrell dialed up some good stuff. Even though they couldn't run the ball, they were able to pass the ball pretty well. Um, so maybe Graham Harrell's grown and become a better coordinator. And maybe this is going to be, maybe he just was a young coach who needed to blossom a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I was, if I'm Purdue, if I'm a Purdue fan, I was really worried about Graham Harrell going into the game. And I feel a lot better about Graham Harrell coming out of the game. Yeah, he dialed up a he dialed up a solid offense, man. You know, and and there's we were going in wondering, okay, who's going to come out? Who's going to be the Charlie Jones? Who's going to be who's going to be the next you know the next Bell? And and it's just we clearly found they found their guy, and and of course as they always do, um, <laughs> they can't they can't they just, they for some reason they're all, someone always seems to rise up uh, in Purdue, um, and they always seem to find a, a good quarterback. So. Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised with how how well they came off and how how in sync they seem to be, and I think they're going to be very competitive again once again in the West. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're division contenders or anything, but they're going to be a tough out for sure. They're yep. going to be a t- they're going to be a team that you're going to have to show up and really play because Hudson Card will score points, and yep. I think you know Ryan Walter's defenses tend to get better as the year goes on. So I'm sure yeah. I'm sure that that porous defense they'll figure they'll probably figure something out there at some point um as well all right with the loss the purdue boilermakers dropped to zero and one um i we're not going to spend too much time on this game because towson is not a real football team i mean it's not that they're not a real football team but that's not the kind of team that's worthy of playing a big 10 opponent so we've got the maryland terrapins 38 the towson i'm not sure what their mascot is six um 
Maryland had 449 yards of offense to Towson's 276. And Leah Tugavailoa, 26 of 43 for 283 yards. Um, so, John, I did not watch a lot of this one. What are your thoughts on uh, on Maryland Towson? I mean, it, it, it went exactly as I thought it would. Um, yeah. Maybe just a few more sc- points less than what I was expecting. But let's be real here. Uh, <laughs> there was no competition. No. For Talia on that field, he was, he looked like you, you know, it looked like you were playing NCAA 14 with him. He was, he was, a, <laughs> he was a video game and, and, yeah. and as he should be, I mean, he's incredible. And against he's great. Yeah. Against great that, quarterback. Yeah. Against that FCS defense, uh, he was doing exactly as he should have been. And so, uh, I mean, there really isn't much to say. I mean, cause, and it's hard to, it's also hard to, to critique because what it, they weren't playing against anyone that, that you saw really real, any real adversity. So like, it's hard to say like where their strengths and where their weaknesses are right now. I mean, we all Mm -hmm. know that they're probably going to be a pretty good team. My guess is, you know, eight and four, possibly nine and three. Um, you know, John's high on Maryland. John is high on Maryland. I I am high on Maryland. And I know that some people, we, you know, it's, I've been high on them before in the past and you know, then certain things go a certain way. Um, (laughs) I could be wrong. But I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I really think, like at this point in time with Talia and where Locks has that program, I think they're they're definitely going to be scoring some points, and I think their defense is probably going to be better too. But again, with this game, you really can't tell much. So there's not a ton to talk, not a ton yeah. to talk about. My biggest question going into the year: Maryland's always fast. They always have skill, position, talent. As usual, the question is: Are they good enough to win up front on the line of scrimmage in the Big Ten? Yeah, there you and go. That's my question for Maryland, and we didn't get that answered. We're probably not, you know, they play Charlotte this week, then they play Virginia, and that's not we we, we might not find out much about Maryland until they play Sparty yep. to start out the Big Ten slate. Yep. And then I think and then I think we'll we will really see where that line of scrimmage play has come and if they've improved up front or not. Yep. I agree. Awesome. With the win, the Maryland Terrapins move to one and oh. All right, we are down to our final game of the weekend. The Illinois Fighting Illini 30, Toledo 28. This game was, I I know I said that the other two games were the most exciting. This was also arguably the most exciting game of the weekend. Yeah. Um, Illinois had 374 total yards. Toledo actually outgained them. They had 416 yards. And uh, Luke Altmeyer was 18 for 26 for 211 yards and an interception. Yeah. John, this ah, game, it dude. looked like Illinois was going to lose this game. Uh, I mean, it really did. And, and again, just like, let, let's remind people here, just like Purdue, this was a very good G5 team. We're talking about the reigning MAC champions, folks. The yeah. reigning MAC champions, Toledo. So a good team. Before you think, you know, I, you know, Illinois was like just totally lost out there or the, it was, you know, no, this was an incredibly good team. This was really mm-hmm. good competition. Um, and yeah, man, like Luke Altmeyer, dude, um, I, you know, I, I knew he was going to be, you know, pretty good at, at throwing the ball. I did not know he had legs like that. And he's quick, isn't he? Holy cow. He's got some, he's, I'm not going to say he's as fast as like a Stetson Bennett. 
but he's got that Stetson Bennett thing where he looks like he should be slow. Yeah. And then he starts running and he is not slow. No. Not slow. No, he was he is gonna be really fun to watch. He's gonna I mean, be a lot he's gonna be a lot to handle. And and I and like and the thing is too, you know, like he uh, he's a risk taker, but like he's he's got he's got zip on that ball, man. And he's he, I think he's again, you know, Bielema doing what he does, and we and we all we we made this like we we made this contract. We allowed this man to come back into the Big Ten, and we've seen what he, nobody asked me if he could come back. <laughs> we've seen what he's done before, and now yeah. he is back. And we are all, uh, you know, we're, we're, we are all now like on notice and, and he, I don't know, man, I, I, that man terrifies me, but I also like, I, I, I love to hate him. He's one yeah. of those, but he's incredible. He's, he's, Nothing but respect. He's a good opponent. He's easy yes. to, easy to hate on Brett Bielema for sure. Yeah. We mean, and we mean that with love, if that makes any sense, we hate Absolutely. on him with love. Yeah. But, yes. but the game, but the, but the game, I mean, look, dude, you know, I mean like the, Illinois looks good, you know, but on, on offense, they looked good. They looked on offense, better. they look good. They did. Uh, defense, but, not so much. And that's where, that's where I have some questions. On defense, we, they look like they miss Ryan Walters, who went down the road to Purdue. Yep. And we all came in, you know, that the, the vaunted defensive line of Illinois was just going to, you know, eat these guys up. And it just right. didn't happen. It didn't have Toledo. I mean, Illinois was supposed to have the best front seven in arguably the whole country. Yep. And they got gashed a mm-hmm. lot. Yep. It was not, you know, it was not what we expected to see from them at all. I mean, Toledo rushed for four and a half yards a rush. A rush? They ran for four and a half yards a carry. I did not expect that. No, no. To be able to run. I, I expected Toledo to throw the ball in Illinois. I didn't think that Toledo was going to be able to run the ball in Illinois. No, I didn't. I was not expecting that at all. They... You know, Toledo's offensive line at times was was pushing them around, you know, yeah. it, legitimately. That shocked me. And yeah. that's 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 something I think Illinois should be really happy about where their where their offense is at. I think their quarterback is an upgrade. I think I think Altmaier is going to be better than Tommy DeVito was mm-hmm. just so far from seeing one game. I mean, obviously, it's just one game. You don't know. But yeah. he's, he seems like an upgrade from Tommy DeVito. What I do have some questions about. I want to what are your thoughts on? I mean. We had Chase Brown last year, right? Yep. I mean, just absolute stud. And I don't know. I, I mean, I'm 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 not entirely sure what their run game is going to look like. Um, you know, not that it looked bad, but I didn't. It wasn't see- no, it wasn't bad. It was it was it was efficient enough. Yeah, but you know, now you what's life without Chase Brown like? You know, yeah. Um, obviously, That's a great not question. a mobile quarterback like Luke Altmaier, so that will probably make up for it in some ways. It helps, but it's Brett Bielema. You you got to have that power running game from the tailback position, which yeah. again they did to a certain extent. They were able to run for 163 yards, 4.7 yards a carry, so they ran the ball decently well. Um, so I'm not worried about. I'm really I'm encouraged with the Illinois offense. I just if you're if you're an Illinois fan, you're looking at that defense and thinking we got a lot to improve. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, John. Uh, sorry, with the win. Oh, and we should say Illinois won this game on fourth and long. They threw a they threw a hail mary pass essentially off his back foot, threw it up for grabs, and caught it. So, like Minnesota, Illinois was one play away from losing that game. Yep, and that's why we love college football. 
because it comes down to those little crazy margins like that. And uh, Bielamo was cool as a cucumber after. You look like he didn't look he didn't look surprised. So he must be he must he he has that man has a level of confidence that I aspire to for he sure. He really does. <laughs> he he's definitely one of the all time great characters of Big Ten coaches. Awesome. Well, with the win, the Illinois Fighting Illini moved to one and zero. And that covers all of the games for the week, I believe. John, anything else you want to discuss here in this podcast before we head out? Did we talk about Northwestern and Rutgers? Oh, my God, we didn't, did we? So I lied. We have one more game to talk about. Thank you, John. (laughs) I appreciate it. I mean, it happened on Sunday, so which is a little weird, a little odd. I had my Saturday lineup, and I looked at the bottom of it, and then I was like, oh, we're done. No, yeah, we're not no, dude. yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I <laughs> no mean, let's talk about Northwestern Rutgers. We should absolutely talk about this game. Well, you know, I mean, and there's we should absolutely talk about it. Um, there's not a lot to say other than I think what is the obvious and what, you know, probably everybody is thinking is that it, it's man, you know, Northwestern. Uh, I don't it, let me let me actually start with Rutgers. Rutgers looks better. And I had a feeling they would. Uh, Defensively, they look pretty darn good. I think they will make people pay um, for making mistakes. Um, Gavin Wimsett definitely looks improved. Um, So, you know, uh, all around, I think Rutgers has done a better job of of getting better this year. And I could see them being competitive and, you know, maybe throwing, you know, a little bit of an upset here and there. But Northwestern, man, I mean, talk about hapless, like. I don't even, I don't have, I don't really have words, man. I mean, it's, it's really sad. And and what I heard today on the big 10 network is that they, apparently this is the roster that Fitz was actually going to be rolling out. Like, Oh yeah. 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 No, nobody left. Wow. No, this is what they have. Wow. Um, Okay. So first of all, the Rutgers Scarlet's Knights 24, the Northwestern Wildcats seven. Um, North, Rutgers had 285 yards to Northwestern's 201 yards. And that tells you a lot right there, folks. There was not a lot of offense in this game. Nope. It was one. Uh, I mean, it became clear. It became clear probably in the first quarter that Northwestern couldn't move the ball. No, and it's, it's one of those games. I watched it, but I feel like, I, my eyes were on the screen, but like I just kind of checked out because I was I, I couldn't. Uh, I I just felt so bad. I, I think I felt I, I felt I feel legitimately sad uh, in some ways for for that Northwestern football program. It was and hard what, to watch. It really yeah, is. I mean, these offensive hard. statistics they had twelve or twenty two rushing yards on twelve attempts. That's half one half of one yard per rush. So that's that's real rough. And then they had 189 yards passing on 24 for 40 with two interceptions. So they managed just over 201, just over 200 yards of offense and were extremely inefficient doing it with just 4.7 yards per pass and 0.5 yards per rush. Rutgers had 37 minutes and 56 seconds of time of possession in this game. They had the ball for nearly two thirds of the game. And you can see that Northwestern defense. It's not that they were playing so bad, really. Because yeah. Rutgers, Rutgers only put up 285 yards. Yeah. So it's not like Rutgers' offense was great. But Northwestern's 
Northwestern's offense just couldn't do anything. And so Rutgers got a lot of chances at it. Well, in, you know, in that time of possession, just, you know, that's exactly what, you know, Shiraka and, and Shiano want to do. Like that's, that's part of their, their game plan. So they, they, they got what they wanted. It worked. Yeah. It was rough. I feel it's going to be a long season for Northwestern, man. It's going to be a really long season for Northwestern. Um, let's give a shout out to Mohamed Toure, who had three solo tackles, a sack and one and a half tackles for loss. And, uh, Renee Conga, who also had a sack and two tackles for loss, tackles for loss. Rutgers, you got to give credit to their defense. It is a yep. Shiano defense. They know what they're doing. They, they made it, you know, Northwestern. They didn't give Northwestern anything. Now Northwestern couldn't do much, but they didn't give them anything either. Yeah. So. I thought it was, you say, you know, it's interesting you talk about, let's go back to Gavin Wimsett. 17 for 29, 163 yards, one touchdown. So based on those stats alone, he's definitely improved. I will say he still throws when he throws the ball. It makes me nervous the way he throws it. (laughs) It just floats a little too long in the air. And it's like, it's not like a spiral. It's like a, it's like, it almost looks like a punt. Yeah, and it, 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 to me, it feels like it's going in slow motion. Is yeah. It, is it, right? A little bit? Every time he throws the ball, I feel like somebody should pick it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, that's just what it looks like. Yes. Gavin Wimsat was a, was a decent recruit. He's improved a lot. So sure. I think if they're going to, if Rutgers is going to make a run at a bowl game this year, they're going to need Wimsat to improve. And he showed that he's at least somewhat improved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, <laughs> With the win, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights move to 1-0, and the Northwestern Wildcats drop to 0-1. Awesome. So now we've done the whole slate of games. Yes. Now we got it all. We covered them all. Yeah. Great. John, anything else you want to add here? Uh, It was a great first week of Big Ten football. I'm excited to be back, and it looks like we're in for a really big-time, exciting season. I think Big Ten fans should be really pumped. Yeah, I agree, man. I think like I think this season is going to be really exciting. There's so many new faces, uh, yep. you know, on the on the sidelines, on the field. Um, so there's a ton to to just you know see what happens. You know, it's I think there's going to be. It may not go as as according to plan. You know, it, some people maybe think and and you know I maybe Big Ten championship will will still be the champion will still be about the same. But I think the the road getting there could be interesting yeah it's gonna be an exciting one well awesome well thank you so much for joining us today you can expect us to come out with our preview podcast later in the week of the next week's games uh this is mike with me as always is john and this is we live for saturday